1828 to 1916. Then the Jews led Jesus from Cephas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is this your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? I am a Jew, Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at a time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give him Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. 
When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of the preparation of the Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Uh, Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, uh, we want to thank and praise you for who you are and uh, that you are a God who reveals yourself and your character and your purposes to us through your word. We thank you for the gift of your spirit who enlightens our minds and softens our hearts and pray for his work in our lives as we consider your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I am no connoisseur of fine art and so I can, I can really relate to the story uh, about a tourist who was visiting one of those great art galleries in Europe And uh, standing in front of a famous masterpiece, he mocks it and he scoffs at it, he dismisses it. And uh, the tour guide turns to him and says, Sir, in this gallery, it's not the works of art that are on trial. It's those who view them. I imagine that his comments might have been a bit more muted after that. And I wonder if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you've been making a judgment about a a thing or perhaps about a person and you've had this unnerving feeling that you might be wrong and it might actually be you who's in the dock. Have you ever felt that way? Well, that was the situation that the Roman governor of Judea found himself in Uh, as we look at uh, today's passage from John 18 and 19. Uh, Making a judgment, but finding that he is the one who is in fact being judged. Now, the governor's name, of course, was uh, Pilate, Pontius Pilate. And you'd have to say that he was not the most popular person amongst the Jews. Uh, In fact, they despised him. And yet, it was in John 18, it was to Pilate that the Jewish leaders took Jesus in order for Jesus to be judged. They took Jesus to Pilate's palace in Jerusalem. Now, apparently, Roman officials only worked from, uh, from, do- from dawn to about late morning. Good hours if you can get it you'd have to say. And so in verses 28 to 29, it was morning uh, that they brought Jesus to him. I want to read that for you, if you care to look in your Bibles, verse 28. Uh, Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas, that's the Jewish high priest, to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning. So Pilate had well and truly started working. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them 
and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? Now, notice that the Jewish leaders refused to enter into Pilate's palace. Why was that? Well, Pilate was a Gentile. And the chances that if they went into his house of uh, coming into contact with something which was considered to be ritually unclean according to the law of Moses were pretty high. And these guys didn't want to become ritually unclean because if they did, they'd have to go through a purification ritual which could take up to seven days and this was Passover. They wanted to be ritually clean so that they could eat the Passover. Even as they brought an innocent man to trial seeking to have him killed. It's no wonder Jesus had once called them whitewashed tombs. They want to do all the right things. They want to look good on the outside. They want to be acceptable to God on the outside, when in their hearts they're full of wickedness. So they would not enter Pilate's palace. Now, one of the things which, uh, one of the practical complications of that during this trial is that Jesus is actually inside the palace and the Jewish leaders, they're outside of the palace. And so Pilate had to keep on going outside to talk to the Jewish leaders, then back inside to talk to Jesus, then back outside to talk to the Jewish leaders, then inside to talk to Jesus and outside and inside and outside. And it goes on throughout the whole incident as he tried to decide this case, which was not a simple case. One of the reasons why it wasn't simple was that the Jewish leaders were not being straight with him. They weren't being straight with him. You see, in one sense, they couldn't care less uh, whether the Romans executed Jesus or if they executed him themselves by stoning them. In one sense, they didn't care. But so why didn't they stone him? Well, it seems that Pilate was wondering that question himself. Because if you have, have a look in verse 32, he's, he tells him, well, look, why don't you just go and judge him by your own law? To which they reminded Pilate that they actually had no legal authority to execute a man. No legal authority. Strange, isn't it? Because that didn't stop them from trying to kill Jesus on two previous occasions. The truth is that they had a hidden agenda. For what they wanted for Jesus was a Roman execution, which is, of course, by, by means of crucifixion. And the reason for that is that in the law of Moses, in Deuteronomy, uh, if, the, if the body of a criminal was uh, left to hang on a tree or on a pole then that was considered that that person was cursed by God. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great for Jesus to be hanging from a wooden cross and according to the law of God that he is cursed by God publicly? And so they wanted a Roman death. But friends, guess what? So too did God. Have a look at verse 32. In verse 32, uh, John points out this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said 
about the kind of death he was going to die. Uh, You've probably forgotten, but back in uh, John chapter 12, verse 32, uh, Jesus said that uh, the, the, the method by which he was going to, be, to die was that he would, he would be lifted up uh, from the earth, that he would be lifted up. And it is, of course, what happens with crucifixion because when they set someone up for crucifixion, they lie the crucifix down horizontally on the ground and they then <clears throat> lie the person on the crucifix and they nail the person to the crucifix and then they lift the crucifix up vertically. So why would God want that for Jesus? Well, this relates back to an incident in the Old Testament where after God had, <clears throat> had uh, freed Israel from their slavery in Egypt and they were in the desert, Israel rebelled against God. And so by means of punishment, God sent a plague of snakes into their camp. Now, look, give me a plague of locusts or a plague of frogs or a plague of hail, but... Uh, for a plague of, of snakes biting people. This was terrible. And, and so they begged to God for help. God commanded that Moses would uh, manufacture a, a bronze snake and that he would put the bronze snake on a pole and lift it up and that anyone who looked at the snake on the pole would miraculously be healed. Now, um, how does this relate? Well, listen to what Jesus said to Nicodemus back in John chapter 3. This is what he said. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Yes, Jesus would hang from a tree, a wooden cross. Yes, he would be cursed by God. But the reason, so that those who look to him can be forgiven, can be healed spiritually, can receive eternal life. Have you looked to Jesus? But if the Jews wanted a Roman death sentence for Jesus then Pilate was going to need to have a good reason. And this kind of took the Jewish leaders by surprise because it seems from verse 30 that they, they were just expecting uh, Pilate to, uh, to rubber stamp their request that G- this man be crucified. But he doesn't rubber stamp it. He's got, there are certain regulations that he has to follow and he needs a good reason. So he asks, well, what's the charge? And they think, well... How about a charge of treason? That ought to fit the Roman requirements uh, for someone to be executed. And after all, uh, hasn't Jesus been going around talking about his kingdom, the kingdom that he's the king of? He must be planning a rebellion against Rome. And so in verse 33... Uh, Pilate then goes back inside and asks, puts the question to Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? Have a look at it. Verse 30, 30, pick it up at verse 36. Uh, well, Jesus said in answer to that, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants 
because kings have servants, uh, would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, Ah, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Responded Pilate. What is truth? As he turned to go back to the Jewish leaders. Now, how do you feel when you know that someone is lying to you? How does it make you feel? Or they've just lied to you? I know I, this happened to me a couple of times in the last few years and, and I feel really, um, what's the word, violated when I know that that's happened. Now, Pilate would have told a few lies himself in his day. Um, but here he knows that he's been on the receiving end. Certainly not from Jesus, uh, but from the Jewish leaders. Uh, in the political world uh, in which Pilate moved, uh, he has become cynical about claims of truthfulness. But one truth he does know is that the Jews were lying to him because he could see with plainness that Jesus was no threat. Jesus didn't even resist arrest. Jesus even told Peter to put away his sword and he healed the guy's ear. Jesus was not leading a rebellion. Pilate knew that and so the verdict in verse 38 is basically not guilty. In fact, three times throughout this account, Pilate has to make that statement. Three times he has to say to the Jews, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But Pilate has his fears. Pilate is afraid. And his main concern has always got to do with uprisings, uh, which was an ever-present risk for the Romans in the uh, territories which they occupied throughout the Roman Empire, territories such as Judea. Uh, Pilate was normally based in the city of Caesarea. But on occasions when uh, masses of people would congregate in Jerusalem for festivities such as Passover, uh, Pilate would relocate. He would relocate to what's called the Praetorium. That's a military term for a, uh, uh, a military commander's residence. Uh, in your NIVs, it's translated as his palace. He would relocate as he did now, in this instance, so that if anyone did, uh, if there was any talk of an uprising, or if anyone did start up a bit of a rebellion, uh, protesting against Roman rule, then he would be Johnny on the spot there uh, to sort it out and to quash the rebellion. And this man did that. He had done that on other occasions, and he had done so with brutality. He was a brutal man. But he's smart enough to know 
that the kingdom which Jesus claims to rule, it's not a political kingdom. It's no threat to Rome. Now, of course, if he uh, had a little bit more backbone, he could have ended this right here and uh, there and there and then by, after finding Jesus to be innocent, he could have just dismissed the Jewish authorities in the crowd, told him to go away. But he's, he's walking a tightrope. And he doesn't, sensing the feeling of the crowd, he just doesn't want to have an, an uprising begin. He doesn't want to have an uprising happening on his watch. And so he tries to find a way to simultaneously treat Jesus as being guilty, but at the same time letting Jesus go free. How so? Uh, well, first of all, he tried to pardon Jesus. Uh, one of the things is that in order to reduce the tension between the Romans and the Jews, it was the custom that at Passover that the uh, Roman authorities would uh, release a convicted prisoner as a sort of a, you know, a, a bit of a sweetener for the Jews. And, and here, Pilate gave the crowd a choice. It was a choice between a, a man named by the name of Barabbas, who was a convicted murderer, who was a man who had been convicted of participating in an actual uprising against Rome, or they could have Jesus, who healed the blind, who healed the deaf, who healed the sick, who taught people the good things of God. But the chief priests, who always re had rejected armed rebellion, they were the ones who incited the crowd to have the guilty one released and the innocent convicted. Um, what is it the hymn writer says? A, 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 a murderer that they, um, uh, they, they release, but the prince of life they slay. And that's what's happening here. And yet still uncomfortable about executing Jesus, Pilate tries a different strategy. Uh, have a look, chapter 9, verses 1 to 5. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Uh, they clothed him with a purple robe and went up to him again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. Now what Pilate's doing here is he's hoping that by punishing Jesus in this way, uh, punishing Jesus without killing him, that this would actually um, satisfy these uh, Jews. And so they flogged him. They twisted together a, a crown of thorns which were... Uh, made from a, uh, a spiky palm tree, which ripped his flesh. They, they threw a, a, a purple robe around him. They beat him and they mocked him. They mocked him as being the king of the Jews. Here is the man, declares Pilate. Look at him. 
broken, bloodied, ridiculed. Here is the man, the man that you say is a threat to Caesar. He's harmless. Anyone can see that. And yet, their demand for his crucifixion grows louder. As too does Pilate's frustration grow. Uh, In verse 6, Pilate basically says to them, why don't you go and crucify him yourself? Now, he is not here giving them permission to go and do that. Basically, what he's saying to them is that you brought him to me for, for trial. I've given my verdict and you don't accept my verdict. And then comes the truth. Verse 7. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law and according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. Now, uh, this, for them, that was a um, charge of blasphemy. But this would not have helped their cause before Pilate. In fact, it made Pilate even more afraid of Jesus. And the reason for that is that uh, despite the fact that uh, hardened Roman soldiers were, were very cynical about life, they were also very, very deeply superstitious. At least many of them were. And so if the one who Pilate has just flogged actually turns out to be someone who has divine powers, then that's very scary for Pilate. It scares him. And so again he tries to question Jesus, and when he does so, Jesus would not answer him. Pick it up at verse 10. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realise that I have power either to free you or to crucify you. And Jesus answered, You have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. And Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Now, what does this mean? I mean, I think this was, this was unnerving for Pilate, very obviously. Uh, he's trying to get some cooperation from Jesus and he asserts his own authority. I'm the one who's got the power over life and death here. Why not cooperate with me? He thinks he's got Jesus' life in his hands. But Jesus turns the issue around. He turns the issue around to the question of who would really be responsible for Jesus' death. Pilate only had his position because God had given it to him. But there was someone who had given Jesus to Pilate. And it's that person who would be most guilty for his death. And that, of course, is the religious leaders. People debate, is it Caiaphas or is it Annas or is it even Judas? It's the one who's handing over Jesus to Pilate is the one who has sinned them all. And he doesn't answer Pilate because he's not trying to be freed, is he? 
which Pilate in his fear then keeps on trying to do even more. But it turns out that there is one person that Pilate fears more than Jesus. Verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. And anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. That's their trump card. I mean, imagine if word got back to Rome that a man who the Jews themselves had accused and convicted of uh, trying to lead an uprising against Rome, that Pilate, the Roman governor, had actually set that person free. How is that going to go down with Caesar? Pilate would be no friend of Caesar. In fact, uh, there was something in, um, uh, in, the, uh, in, in, in Roman um, governance where a person could actually have a title given to them which was called friend of Caesar. That's a very honoured uh, title to have. It's possible that Pilate actually had that uh, position, friend of Caesar, and the thing is that you don't want to have that taken away from you because those who had the title friend of Caesar taken away from them were usually those who ended up being executed by Caesar. And so Pilate here gives in. He gives up and he goes and sits on his judgment seat. And in verse 14, he pronounces the verdict by basically announcing Jesus to be their king. Shall I crucify your king, he asks. And in a moment of dreadful irony, the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. It's ironic because they were celebrating the Passover. And listen to one of the prayers. In the Passover meal, there's a number of prayers that are, uh, that are recited. I want you to listen to one of those prayers that they would have recited themselves at this Passover. And it goes like this. It says, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Beside you, we have no king, redeemer or saviour, no liberator, deliverer, provider, none who takes pity in every time of distress or trouble. We have no king but you. As they declared their allegiance to Caesar as their only king. Who's committing treason here? It's not Jesus that's committed treason, is it? It's they who have committed treason against their God. You know, uh, earlier this year, I went to an art exhibition. <clears throat> it was um, Picasso and Matisse. <clears throat> and to be honest, I was a little bit like that ignorant tourist. Um, <clears throat> walking around the art gallery, looking at these Picasso's and Matisse paintings and criticising them, 
dismissing them, saying how they were... I, I just don't get, you know, portraits of a person that make the person look like they've been built out of a cube. I, I don't get it. I presume that's an acquired taste. Would that be right? You can help me about that later if you're an art person. What about Jesus? Uh, like many people, uh, Pilate knew that the death of Jesus was unjust. But when Jesus invited him to listen to the truth, he responded with his cynical question, what is truth, as he turned and walked away? What about you? Uh, Jesus invites us to discover the truth. Jesus invites us to, to ask questions about him, to probe more deeply about him. For as we consider his life, his death and his resurrection from the dead, what we discover is that by our response to Jesus, it's actually not Jesus who's on trial. It's us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, gripping account of the crucifixion, of the trial of Jesus and uh, for the various responses to him. Father, we pray for ourselves that we would be people who uh, would uh, come to Jesus with a humble heart, not to critique him, but, in, but to discover the truth uh, that he gives, the truth of life and life everlasting. And we pray this in his name. Amen.